Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What a collection of readings to get to choose from. We could have a sermon this morning on marriage politics in the Old Testament, or on St. Paul's sense of our intrinsic sinful nature. But since this is my second to last sermon, I want to talk about Jesus and discipleship. In the season of Pentecost, which occupies most of the summer and fall. And we hear fewer stories about Jesus, less stories about Jesus, and more of Jesus' own stories and sayings. And today we have a couple of teachings about discipleship, a collection of sayings, but really I think two teachings about discipleship, about what it means to be a follower. And today's gospel includes what, is, what used to be called the comfortable words. And you can feel your soul kind of gravitate toward them. In the old prayer book, the priest, just after the confession and before the service of communion, would stand out here in front of the altar and would say, Hear what comfortable words saith our Lord Jesus Christ unto all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. I'll say more about Jesus' famous comfortable words in a few moments, but I love that title for them. We could use hearing them more often, I think. But first, in this penultimate sermon as your rector, I want to talk about this idea of discipleship. And when I say disciples, of course I mean that first century early band of Jesus' first followers. But disciple means follower more generally. So all of us who seek to follow Jesus, even today, we count as disciples too. In Matthew, as in Mark and Luke, Jesus doesn't seem particularly interested in what his disciples believe, does he? And not really. Intellectual assent isn't the name of the game. Jesus isn't interested in making believers. Jesus wants followers. Jesus is creating a community of practice. Jesus wants followers who live by his example. And these passages that we have today in Matthew, they come just after Jesus has sent his disciples out for the first time to do as he has done. He sends them to heal the sick, to preach justice to the poor, to bring hope. And just before these verses, John has sent some of his followers to Jesus. John the Baptist sent some of his followers to ask, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus, being Jesus, doesn't give a direct answer. Jesus says, go, report to John what you hear and see. Those who were blind are able to see. People with skin diseases have been cleansed. Those who were dead are raised up. The poor have good news proclaimed to them. And that's the setup that brings us to these sayings today. Jesus, after this, talks about John the Baptist. He praises him as the messenger who prepares the way. 
And that's where we arrive at the start of this gospel. And, and that's why, notice, Jesus doesn't get competitive with John. He takes what could have been a competition and instead finds some solidarity. And we might expect Jesus to criticize John for this strictness of fasting that he mentions, but instead he notes that both of them, for their spiritual practice, faced criticism. They said that John had a demon. They called Jesus a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's who you're associating with. There's this solidarity that Jesus names with John. And he's also making a subtle distinction. John's way was narrow. Jesus' way is broad. There's room for all the unworthy, all those who have been left aside, all those who don't have access to the usual spiritual life. Jesus' way is a broad way. You just have to be willing to follow. And several years ago now, not long after I started as your rector, the vestry was sitting together crafting a mission statement. And we were doing that thing which they say you should never do. We were writing by committee. And we had spent a months-long process to listen to the congregation first. We convened in folks' homes, we had dinners, we met with leaders one-to-one -one over coffee, we held fora at the church, and then we sat down to gather up all that data, all of those conversations. And we discerned together three values that we heard again and again and again from the congregation. We heard folks say that they chose to belong to Holy Communion because we were welcoming, because we were diverse, and because we sought to build community both with those within our walls and those outside of them. And so we took these three values, welcome, diversity, and community, we started to craft a statement. And as we wrote, Shirley Mensa spoke up. And she said something like, these values are great, Mike, but we're a church. Shouldn't we say something about Jesus? <laughs> now I was a brand new rector, and I probably blushed quite a bit. And before I said, yeah, we should probably say something about Jesus. <laughs> but Shirley's question unlocked the process for us. Because pretty quickly after that, we got to our current mission statement. We said, the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion is a diverse and welcoming community seeking to walk in the way of Jesus and to reveal Christ's reconciling love in our city, our nation, and our world. That question about seeking to follow Jesus it went right to the heart of our mission. Shirley Mensa, not long after that, became our senior warden, and we were all better for her service in that position. And I share that story because I know in the week ahead, it's gonna be a lot of celebration. We're gonna spend time together giving hugs and remembering the big work that we've done together. And I'm grateful for all the attention, and I am grateful for the chance to say goodbye. But it's important that we not forget what kept us walking together all of these eight years. Who kept us walking together? We have been seekers. We have, when we've been at our best, remembered that together we are trying to follow Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. And today, Jesus brings two important reminders to that work of following. And at first, 
he describes how God hides wisdom from the so-called wise and intelligent and reveals it to babies. And that's just true, isn't it? And the Buddhists have a way of describing this truth. They call it the beginner's mind. The great Zen teachers will tell you they're always striving to hold the beginner's mind. Humans should never claim to master anything. Never believe that you have the spiritual life all figured out. Thinking you have all the answers is a recipe for spiritual disaster. So stay a beginner. Stay inquisitive. Stay open to surprise. That's one of the great teachings of many spiritual traditions. And I think this word about God revealing God's self to babies is Jesus's version of that wisdom. And the second teaching from Jesus, it brings us back to those comfortable words, that final verse in the lesson. There's an old joke from church musicians to preachers. I don't know that Mary and I have ever shared it. I'm sort of glad she's not here to hear it. And we preachers can sometimes get full of ourselves, especially when folks are kind. We, we blockade the door and you have to pass us by, right? And, and folks often say, oh, I like your preaching. Thank you so much, right? And, and you can get a big head about it. You can start to think that the reason people come to church is to hear you preach. And in response, the musicians like to say, sure, preaching is great, but when is the last time you heard someone leaving church humming the sermon? Touche. And that's true until it isn't. Not about my preaching, but I would say that many of us find moments in Jesus' preaching that hum. Something resonates deep within us. And at its best, Jesus' preaching connects the timely with the timeless. The words and teachings of the one we follow, they have the capacity to still shape us today. I once heard our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, one of our best preachers, in my opinion, he talked about these comfortable words from Jesus. And in doing so, he stretched them out. Michael's really good at this. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, sometimes beaten down by the realities of life, sometimes just struggling to get by, sometimes struggling to see a vision that's greater than what you normally see in life. Come unto me, all ye, all y'all, come. That's Christ's invitation. Christ's way is broad. There is room for all. Wherever you are on that spiritual path, there's room. And I will give you rest, Jesus says, for I am humble and gentle. Could we imagine a world where followers of Jesus are known for their humility, for their gentleness? Could we imagine a world where Christians are known for being people who are working for justice and who know how to rest, how to find joy? I'm afraid too much of the world sees Christians as mean-spirited, tight-fisted, judgmental, and haughty. Jesus needs some followers who are willing to practice gentleness to practice humility, and to slow down. Amen. Mm. One thing you'll notice in the Gospels, Jesus' followers never tell him he needs to walk slower. 
In fact, you get the sense that he liked to linger. The disciples often leave Jesus behind in the stories, don't they? And truth be told, I think some of Jesus' followers leave Jesus behind today, too. There's a Japanese theologian named Kasuke Koyama. I've quoted him before to you. He wrote a book that is titled The Three Mile an Hour God. And Koyama's whole idea is this. People walk at an average of about three miles an hour. And God became incarnate at a time when people walked everywhere. Jesus walked everywhere. And Jesus walked slowly. And there's a reason that Jesus says, come unto me, I will give you rest. God has a speed, and it's often slower than our own. Now also notice, Jesus says he's going to give us rest, but Jesus' followers are also not entirely off the hook. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now yoke in the ancient world, you probably know this, was often a metaphor for teaching. Take my body of teaching upon you. And Jesus isn't saying there won't be burdens. Following Jesus continues to be a dangerous proposition. Speaking out for justice, making room for those the world excludes, it continues to cost the followers of Jesus. But Jesus says we can carry this burden lightly. Jesus wants his followers to be known for their lightness, for their love, their gentleness, their humility, for their joy. I've got one more sermon to preach here at Holy Communion. And so this isn't my last charge to you yet. But if I'm able to ask something of you as I prepare to leave, it's simply this. Keep seeking to follow Jesus. Don't let the anxieties of the world or the church weigh you down. Keep inviting all of the wrong people to the table. Keep gathering in a spirit of gentleness, of humility. Keep sharing joy and love. And do it slowly. If you keep that spirit up, friends, and if you keep that beginner's mind, you might just spot Jesus out there ahead of you. And I hope that we might run into each other again on the road. Amen. Amen.